This is the Life Church Podcast. For more messages, to watch our live stream, or to find other events, go to lifechurchnow.org. All right. <laughs> I tell you what, um, I, I noticed that there were some of you like sitting back there going, oh man, they're talking about us. No. Hey, we want to welcome our Cedar Rapids campus. We're so, so glad that you guys are joining us. You know what? This is our second week in which we launched Cedar Rap- uh, services in Cedar Rapids. And I'm super proud of you guys. So, so thankful of all the work and energy you put in to make this happen. And I can't wait to see what God's going to do through you in the next uh, weeks, months, years to come as, as you basically make a space for life transformation there in Cedar Rapids. Thank you for joining us. Um, we're starting a series called Mixed Emotions. And so you saw the video, and it kind of, obviously, there were some emotions flying around in that, in that vehicle, right? Uh, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but you ever notice when you kind of meet somebody, you know somebody, but you see them like for, for, you haven't seen them in a while, and you run into them, and you say, hey, how's it going? You know, and they t- tend to respond like, uh, good, fine, you know? You ever notice that? You come into church, maybe you walk in through these doors. Hey, how you doing? I'm, I'm good. I'm fine, you know. We're all, we're all normally good. That's, that seems to be like the right answer. Doesn't matter how you're really feeling. Doesn't matter how you're, what, you're really going, what you're really going through. Doesn't really matter what's going on in life. The answer seems like the right answer is always, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm okay. Maybe you like this family, you know, on their way to church, and there's all this chaos going on. You walk in through the doors, and you have to pretend like everything is fine. So, you, so somebody asks you, how's it going? doesn't matter that you just had that happen in the van on the way to church. But the fact is, the right answer is always, I'm good, I'm fine. Like, honesty and vulnerability is not always the right answer. And so in this series, we're going to talk about dealing with our emotions, and we're going to talk about dealing with our emotions in a way that's honest, in a way that honors God, in a way that opens the door for God's purposes to be accomplished in our life. Now, I realize that for some of you, as I, this idea of talking about our emotions for the next six weeks, like you, you might not know how you feel right now, but you know how you feel about that. <laughs> I don't want to talk about my feelings for the next six weeks. That doesn't, like, it it feels miserable. Maybe you've already checked out. I get it. Some of you men, I understand that. You know, when you start talking about your feelings and your emotions. But the fact is that some of you men that don't want to talk about it are the ones that need to talk about it. Like, you don't know where your anger comes from. And maybe there's a disconnection between, or there's a connection between not wanting to talk about your emotions and where this anger is coming from. Maybe you don't know where this apathy and indifference is coming from, but, but there's a connection. There's a connection between talking about our emotions, coming up, you know, allowing these emotions to come out and being able to talk about them, and then handing them over to God and allowing Jesus Christ to redeem those things. And so this is what we're going to be doing. We're going to be talking about our emotions and feelings. But it's tough to do that because we have this idea that feelings and faith don't always go together, right? Like, there's, like, like feelings don't really fit into the faith equation. Like we've been taught that there are right feelings and there are wrong feelings. And so I'm sad. Well, don't feel that way. You're a Christian. Don't feel sad. Have faith. We think that the spiritual solution is simply to tell somebody, don't feel a certain way. 
And what happens to us is as we, as, we, as we think this way, as we begin to be discipled this way, that there are right feelings and wrong feelings, then it's easy, and it happens a lot in the church, it's easy to start pretending like everything is okay. It's easy for, for you to walk in. Your life is upside down. Your marriage is falling apart to walk in these doors. Hey, how are you doing? I'm okay. I'm fine. I'm good. Because you don't want somebody to tell you, well, man, my marriage is falling apart. And somebody said, well, why is your marriage falling apart? Well, don't feel that way. It's interesting how emojis, you know, emojis kind of help some people unlock some of their, their, their emotions and their feelings. Um, like my mother-in-law. <laughs> my mother-in-law, she's in her upper 70s, and uh, she you know, late in life, got a cell phone, and then l later than that, began to text. And, and, you know, her texts were pretty, like, very brief and short. Obviously, she was uncomfortable texting. But then, but then she discovered emojis. And so she, uh, this past week, my middle son turned 30, and so she sent a text to all the family about my middle son. I, I, in fact, I have one. They, they call him Joshy. <laughs> And if you notice, there's emojis all scattered. You know what? You read her text, you know exactly how she feels, don't you? Because these emojis kind of reveal how she feels. You got little smiley face with hearts floating around, around you know, and heart, and then exclamation point, exclamation point. I mean, it's obvious how she feels about it. I think this has happened, is that these emojis kind of reveal. So maybe you, you, you want to feel like this. Let's go to this next. You want to feel like this. You want to feel happy. But instead, you feel like this. You feel sad. Maybe you want to feel like this. You want to feel cool, calm, confident, like you've got things together. But instead, you feel like this. You feel anxious. You feel uncertain. You're not sure about how life is going to turn out. Maybe you want to feel like this, cheerful, life of the party, excited. Instead, you feel like this. Angry. Or maybe you feel like this. Really angry. Or maybe you feel like this. Like, like really. And I mean, this is real. Right? This is real. People feel this way. Or maybe you, you're here and you feel like this. You feel numb. Like you're not happy, but you're not sad. You're not excited, but you're not necessarily grieving in your relationships. You're not, you know, you're not necessarily in love and connected, but you're not also bitter and angry. You're just numb. You're just numb. And so in this series, what we're going to do is we're going to look at having emotional health. Because we believe that along the, along the way of becoming spiritually mature, we become emotionally healthy. I know that for a fact in my own life. That there have been watershed moments in my life where as I was trying to grow spiritually, as I was you know, studying the word and praying and seeking God, I would come to these moments in my life where there was a brokenness, a dysfunction, a, a, a hurt in my life that was not fully redeemed, was not fully given over to God, and I had to overcome that, and it displayed itself, it manifested itself in emotional health. As I became emotionally healthy, I became more spiritually mature, and that's really what we want to accomplish in this series. In Matthew 26, we're going to see <clears throat> Jesus in this very emotional 
time of his life. Now, when I say that Jesus is in an emotional time of his life, I think that there are some of us that would push back on that. Like, again, we just don't feel like emotions and faith really go together. And so we're not sure that, that, that that's an accurate statement that Jesus had was a, in a very emotional time of his life. But if you study the Gospels, you'll see that Jesus actually experienced 39 different emotions. Now, be honest with you, I, you and you might be here right now, so I didn't even know there was 39 emotions. <laughs> what? 39 emotions? That many emotions? Like, I didn't know that either until my daughter turned 14, and then... Like for the next several years, I realized, man, there's a lot more than 39 emotions. There are all kinds of emotions, right? And so Jesus, Jesus dis- displays these emotions, and he experiences these emotions. For example, the centurion comes to, to Jesus, and, he, and he, he, this, this centurion has incredible amount of, fla- of faith, and it sh- tells us about Jesus that he's delighted. He's delighted that this man has this kind of faith. Or he's angry because these religious leaders, all they really care about is their tradition and not really life transformation. Or he's sad as he stands on the Mount of Olives and he looks down into Jerusalem and he realizes that, that in, in not too short of a time, they are going to reject him. So he's sad. Jesus is full of joy when he sends out his 72 disciples and they come back to him. And they come back reporting how, how, uh, how excited they are because they heal the sick and they perform all kinds of miracles in his name. And it was just amazing what God was doing in and through them. And Jesus is full of joy. Jesus weeps and grieves when his friend Lazarus dies. I mean, Jesus experienced emotion. Jesus even experienced shame. It wasn't his shame because he was perfect. But he took upon himself our shame. And he went to the cross with it. So we find that Jesus had a lot of different feelings. He shows up with his life. And what we discover about Jesus is that, that emotions are not necessarily a sign of weakness. They're not necessarily connected to weakness. But they're actually, they're actually a, a sign of strength. It's a sign of being human, right? It's not about being weakness, it's about being human. So the question is not our emotions and feelings right or wrong, but the question is what, are, what do we do? How do we manage our emotions? How do we manage our feelings? The English word for the, for the word emotion, I mean the, the word for the, the, the English word for, for emotions is emotions, obviously, but the Latin word for the word emotions is emover. In Latin, basically what it means is to move, to move from one place to another. And I think this is very appropriate about what God really wants to do in our lives. God wants to move us. He gives us emotions, and those emotions are meant to take us somewhere. Like if your emotions are a vehicle, then you get into the vehicle of anxiety, and where is that vehicle taking you? When you're feeling anxious, where are you going with that anxiety? You get into the vehicle of loneliness. Where is that vehicle taking you? You're, you feel lonely? Are you going this way or are you going that way with it? If you're sad, where is that vehicle taking you? If you're angry, where is that vehicle taking you? So emotions in themselves are not right or wrong, but the question is where are, they, where are you going with it? You can think of it like a, like a, like a road sign. For example, if you're, you're, you, have this, you're in, you, this, you feel this emotion, where is that taking you? Is it going to take you this way or is it going to take you that way? 
So you start feeling, you know, some shame. Is it going to take you to a place of isolation? Or is it going to take you to a place of forgiveness and freedom? Are you hearing me? You start feeling loneliness. Is it going to take you to a place of depression and despair? Or is it going to take you to a place of connection and trusting and depending on God? So the point is that emotions are an opportunity for greater connection with God. This is where we're going with in this series, is that we feel things. And too often we've not really been discipled about how we deal with our feelings. What happens is we, we feel certain things and then we, those feelings become actions. And we haven't really filtered that through God's word. We haven't really filtered that through what God wants to do in our life. And so we go in a certain direction. So what we're going to talk about in this series is how, what do we do with our emotions? Where do we go with our emotions? In Matthew 26, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And there's all kinds of emotions going on there. He's just had supper with his best friends and uh and and one of them betrays him he's washed their feet and he knows that he's going to be betrayed he knows that he's going to be arrested he knows that he's going to be he's going to be uh uh eventually crucified he knows this is going to happen to him. he's going to be beaten on his way to being crucified he knows this about himself He knows what's going to happen, so he's overwhelmed. He's overcome with emotions. In verse 36, it says this, Matthew 26, 36. He says, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. So you, you notice this. He's beginning to feel emotion. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here with me and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell on this, with his face to the ground and he prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. You see it? And Jesus is overwhelmed With sorrow, he's feeling certain emotions, right? Now, there's some of you that you might want to counsel him out of that. You might want to tell him, hey, Jesus, don't feel that way. I mean, Jesus, if you just have a little more faith, Jesus, if you just put your mind on what's on the other side, you'll see that you're going to come out victorious. Why are you feeling that way? You might want to say that, but that's not what, that's really not what we're talking about here. It's not really what Jesus is doing. In fact, my hope is that as we go through this, you discover something so powerful. You discover that having these feelings, that you don't have to, there's not this pressure that you always have to be happy. In fact, if you're here right now and you feel overwhelmed, Jesus would not tell you, don't feel that way. He would say to you, I have felt that way before. I have felt overwhelmed before. I have struggled with sorrow before. That's what he would say to you. He wouldn't tell you, don't feel that way. That's not really the solution. You see, what Jesus does, he models for us. How do we process our emotions? How do we deal with our emotions? I want to talk to two groups of people here. The first ones I want to talk to is my generation, and maybe others as well, older generation maybe. And that is those who, those who deal with emotions by emotional avoidance. Okay, we've just been taught that certain emotions are not allowed. 
There's right emotions, there's wrong emotions. We just need to suppress those feelings. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Don't talk about it. Just press on. That's what we've been taught. And the problem is when you deal with your feelings that way, what happens is it eventually catches up to you. When you suppress it and suppress it and you stuff it down and you stuff it down, eventually it surfaces in all kinds of other things. Anger, bitterness, resentment, apathy. And so that's how you've been dealing with your emotions. You need to stop and ask yourself a question. Why do I do the things that I do? Why do I drink when I drink? Why do I compulsively look at porn? Why do I go from relationship to relationship and never really commit to anybody? Why do I yell and scream and then ask for forgiveness and then go back and yell and scream some more? My suspicion is that we're avoiding our emotions. We're not inviting Jesus into our emotions. The Bible even tells us that what's in the heart eventually comes out of the heart. The other extreme in terms of emotions is emotional indulgence. I think a lot of uh, the younger generation is more in this, in this category, and some of the older ones too, uh, Gen Xers and millennials, you know. Um, this is where we feel our feelings. <laughs> We feel something, we really feel our feelings. That's how our culture has discipled us. You find your identity in your desires, that whatever you feel, that must be right. If you feel it, it's got to be right, right? So your feelings are kind of like this GPS. You feel your feelings. And if there's people around you and you're just expressing yourself and you're feeling, I mean, Facebook is a classic example of feeling your feelings. People feel certain way and they just spread it out. The entire world knows about how they feel. It doesn't matter that there are people around you, you just feel that way. What are you going to do? You just have to say it. You have to do it. You have to talk about it like that. It's almost like, it's almost like your feelings are like a thermostat, right? A thermostat in your workplace, a thermostat in your home, a thermostat in school, or that's how people understand you. That's how people relate to you based on how you feel that day. What you're going through that day, that's how we relate. You feel your feelings. But what we're going to discover is that, and find this in Scripture is that our feelings are really more of a gauge. They're meant to get our attention. They're meant to move us in a direction that makes us more like Jesus, that we become more spiritually mature as we become more emotionally healthy. But you have to pay attention to the gauge. Like, like, if, you're, like if your gauge, your dashboard in your car looked like this, you know, see all these lights are on and stuff like that, if they look like that, then maybe the manufacturer is trying to tell you something, right? He's trying to tell you, you need to pay attention to that. I had a friend when I was in college that his car just had a perpetual engine light on. And, he, you know, he said he'd try to get it fixed, but I don't, he was poor, so I'm sure he didn't really try to get it fixed. But his solution was to get black electrical tape and put it over, the, put it over so he wouldn't have to see it anymore, right? Now, you could try that. And you know what? Your car will go for a little while, maybe. You might be able to make it for a little while, but eventually it's going to cost you a whole lot more if you ignore the gauges. And a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, that's what our feelings are like. They are, they're meant to get our attention. Our manufacturer is trying to get our attention about where he wants to take us. So how do we deal with our emotions? In Matthew 26, Jesus models this for us. <clears throat> he gives us an example of what it could look like to to basically release our feelings to God and allow God to redeem those feelings 
and those emotions and take us to a place that he wants to go. The first thing we see that Jesus does is that he tells his friends how he's feeling and he asks his friends to stay with him. He tells his friends how he's feeling and he asks his friends to stay with him. In Matthew 26, 38, he says this. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. You notice what Jesus is doing here. He's being vulnerable. He's, being, he's humble with his closest friends. It wasn't weak for him to do that. It was strong for him to do that, to invite his friends into it. He doesn't tell all of his disciples. He just tells three of them. So the point of this series is not for you to become more emotionally healthy by basically blurting everything out to everybody. It's about finding people that you can, that you can connect with and you can basically start doing life with those people. You're honest with them. When they ask you how you're feeling, you, you tell them the truth. It's not weakness to do that. In fact, Jesus, this is what Jesus does. It's human to do that. It takes strength. It takes courage. It takes humility. And so Jesus says to Peter, James, and John, stay here with me. And I think many of us, when the, just, can you put that, that cluster up, that gauge cluster back up? Many of us, when, we, when this happens in our life, the lights come on, I think what we end up doing is we, we want to be alone. Like my friend who put the, the black electrical tape over, he just wants to hide it. You don't want anybody to know it. You just want to be alone. You want to, but what Jesus does is he invites his friends into his, his feelings, into his emotions, into his sorrow. The second thing that Jesus does is he prioritizes his faith over his feelings. <clears throat> he prioritizes his faith over his feelings. You might be able to say it a different way. He aligns his feelings. He aligns his feelings with what he knows is true. He aligns his feelings with what he knows is true. Now let me say something about that. That's really, really hard. Right? When you feel a certain way, but you know the truth of Scripture, you know the truth in God, you know what the Spirit of God might be saying, but you feel a certain way, it sometimes is hard to align how you're feeling with what you know is true. And yet this is exactly what Jesus does. In verse 39, he says, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. He's feeling an immense amount of sorrow, the fact that he's going to go to the cross and die on the cross. And it's not just simply the physical death on the cross, but the weight of the sin of the world he's going to carry. Immense amount of weight he's feeling. So nobody would sit back and look at Jesus and say, Why are you feeling that way? I mean, this was serious, this was real. But he goes on, Yet, and there's a transition word, yet, not as I will, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus falls on his face, he's honest with God about his feelings, and yet he concludes with. God, it's not what I want, it's what you want. It's not exactly how I feel that's really, really important right now. It's really what you want to do with my life. That's where Jesus lands. Now, for many of us, this is really, really significant because in our culture, we've been discipled differently. We've been taught that if that's how you feel, then, that's, then that must be right. If that's how you feel, then that's, then that's what you should do. If that's how you feel, then that's who you are. This whole thing about feelings. Like I said, it's our GPS. But Jesus doesn't do that. I mean, he's honest with God. And he's honest with his friends about his feelings. They're real. They're true. 
He doesn't pretend to feel something other than what he actually feels, but he then processes it with God, and he lands somewhere. He has this amazing conclusion that, God, whatever it is that you want, that's what I want. So you might, right now, you might feel like losing your temper and punching a hole through the wall. You might feel like, you know, staying in bed all day and just feeling sorry for yourself. You might feel like avoiding social situations because they create anxiety. You might feel lonely in your marriage and would like to move ahead without a fare. You might feel like just running up the credit card debt. You might feel that way. You may feel all these ways, and it's okay. That's how you feel. It's, we get it. I understand. It's those feelings are real. I'm not going to stand here, and I'm not going to tell you don't feel that way. The question I'm going to ask you is where is that taking you? Where are those feelings taking you? Some of you need to understand this. That what you feel is real. But just because it's real doesn't mean it's true. When I typed this out this week, it stung for me. What you feel might be real, but just because it's real doesn't mean it's true. Like you might be here, you might say, I feel lonely. And you know, loneliness is one of the most difficult, most painful feelings that one can carry, is this feeling of loneliness. And you might say, I feel lonely, and I would, I would say, yeah, I understand how you feel. I get how you feel. You, that feeling is real, but you need to understand something. It's not true, especially if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's promised to be with us. And maybe in your feelings of loneliness, you maybe have discounted that there's a few people out there that truly care for you, that truly love you, that truly, if they knew that you were feeling lonely, they would climb Mount Everest for you. So yes, you might be feeling lonely, and yes, that feeling is real, but that feeling is not true. You might say, I feel shame and guilt. And that might be real, but it's not true if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that there's no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that the truth is that you've been set free from the law of sin and shame. So, let's follow the example of Jesus. Let's be honest with God about our feelings. Let's process it with God. And then let's align our faith. Align the feeling with our faith, with what is true. Amen? Here's what we see in Jesus when it comes to that. The story that we're reading in, in Matthew 26, Jesus goes into the garden and says he's sorrowful. He's heavy. He's weighted down. He's feeling a certain way, right? He spends the next two to four hours praying on his face before God, telling God how he's feeling. And then suddenly some soldiers arise, uh, arrive. And here's the thing. Jesus is resolute. Something has happened between the moment he went into the garden feeling heavy and sorrowful to the moment the guards arrive. Something has happened in his, in his heart because the guards arrive and he's resolute. He's standing. He's not on his face. And he's focused, not on the feelings, not on the feeling of sorrow. He's focused on the cross. He's got his face towards Calvary. Something happened. You know what happened? He aligned his feelings with what he knew was true in those two to three, four hours of time. 
The last thing we see here that Jesus does is he pours out his feelings to his heavenly father. In Matthew 26, 39, he says, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, my father, my father. Part, let, me, let me back up a little bit here and just say something about this verse and the language here of this verse. He, in the Gospel of Mark, he uses the word Abba, which is like an intimate term of daddy. And, and, and it presupposes something. It presupposes that there's a particular kind of relationship with God. So I just want to pause here for a second, just tell you, and those of you watching at Cedar Rapids, I just want to tell you that everything starts with an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. My ability to process the things that I'm going through, the feelings that I'm, I'm experiencing, the, 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 you know, the discouragement that I might feel over COVID, for example, starts with my relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the starting point, and that's the challenge first. But Jesus does this. He says, my Father, my Father, he models for us a way to pray, that we process our feelings, our emotions with God in prayer. And so what would that look like for you? Father, I'm stressed out. Father, I'm so sad, but I don't even know why I'm so sad. I'm so disappointed in my marriage. Father, I'm angry with my children. Father, I'm bitter towards my parents. Father, I feel so insecure. I feel so scared about my future. When was the last time you prayed like that? When was the last time you went to the Father as your daddy because you have a personal relationship with him and you're feeling a certain way about your marriage, you're feeling a certain way about your future, you're feeling a certain way about yourself and you say, Daddy, I need you. God wants to redeem those emotions but he can only redeem what we, what we release to him. And so if you're going through these things and you never approach the Father, you never ask him for help in your emotions, you never say to him, I don't know why I'm feeling this way, Dad. I don't know why I'm struggling like this. I don't know why this is so. If you never do that, you'll never find freedom from those things. So we have to release it to him. So the challenge of this series is to understand that your emotions are this vehicle that's taking you somewhere. It's this vehicle that's taking you somewhere. And some of you in this room and some of you watching in Cedar Rapids right now, you need to pull over to the side of the road and you need to get out of the driver's seat. And you need to walk over to the passenger seat. You need to invite Jesus into the driver's seat of your vehicle. And then before you get into the passenger seat, you need to open the back door and invite a few friends into the back seat to take this journey with you. That's the only way we're going to get to the place that God wants us to be in life that's the only way we're going to be able to process the emotions that we, that we feel, these feelings that we feel from day in and day out. As we process it with God, God takes it. He redeems it. He, 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 he makes it something beautiful for our lives. And so you get in this vehicle and you feel angry. But if Jesus is in the driver's seat, you say, Jesus, where are we going with this? Where are we going? I'll go wherever you send me. I'll go over wherever you want me to go. That's where I'll go, Jesus, because I feel this way right now, but I need you, Jesus, to take me to the right place. You invite him in when you're afraid. You invite him in when you're overcome with lust. You invite him in when you're sad and you don't know why. Your feelings, your feelings and emotions are an opportunity to invite God in 
to your life to move you to a new place with him. That's really what this is all about. That's what this whole series is about, is learning to discern why I'm angry by inviting God into it and allowing him to take us places so we can grow spiritually, all right? All of us have feelings and emotions. That's not a sign of weakness, just a sign of being human. So where are they taking us? Where are your feelings taking you? So in this series, what we want to do together is to invite Jesus into the driver's seat of our lives. Amen? Yeah, some of you say amen. Some of you say no. (laughs) Okay. You want Jesus to be the driver's seat of your life. Right? And so when you're feeling something and when you're experiencing something, when your marriage is not going the way you want it to go, instead instead of... taking those feelings and then figuring out where else to go with it and allowing it to take you to other places. You say, Jesus, will you take this wheel? Will you drive my life? Can you help me align my feelings with what I know is true? And he he will, and he'll redeem them. Let's all stand. Those of you in Cedar Rapids, if you can stand as well, Pastor Jairus will come and close the service out there. I want to ask you, <clears throat> maybe, and we're just in the beginning of this series, we're going to talk about different, different emotions through the next several weeks, but, but let me ask you a question. Maybe you're here right now, and I said a few minutes ago that the starting point, the starting point of being able to take my feelings and my emotions to God is a relationship with Jesus Christ. That without that, I'm not able to do anything except feel the feelings I feel and then hope that, that my culture, the environment I'm in, the society that, that, that drives us, the, you know, the, my friends at my workplace or my friends in, you know, in, in this other sphere of life, they will help me, they will give me direction, they'll give me guidance. Maybe it's good guidance, maybe it's not good guidance. But we have this sure thing that when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that we could take it to him. And then he'll drive us in the right direction. You know where he's going to drive you to? To emotional health, which will result, which will result in spiritual growth. All of us, it's a, this is a churchy term to say, all of us want to grow spiritually, amen? You better say amen if your pastor's asking a question, right? You're like, no, I don't really want to grow spiritually. All of us want to grow spiritually, Right? There's a journey that we're on that we run into these roadblocks in life, these watershed moments in our life where, where we really need God to step in. And it's difficult. And it, what happens is it begins to reveal some, own, some of our own brokenness, some of our own hurt. I know I've had that in my own life where I've had to sit with my wife and basically sit at the bar of, 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 my, of my kitchen and just bawl my, my eyes out to God talking about my relationship with my own father and how that had led to anger and how that led to, to, this, to this sense of like, I, I, I can't fail, I'll never fail, I'll never fail, I'll never fail, which created a dysfunction in our relationship. But it wasn't until that moment where I was able to come to terms with it, give it over to God and allow, allow God, me and God to process this. And realize that my identity is not found in whether I succeed or fail. My identity is found in Christ alone. And it took me to a new level of, first of all, a new level of intimate relationship with my own wife. 
but a new level of, of spiritual growth as well. And I want that for you. I want that for you, but it starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. I'm going to ask you a question, and I'm going to pray for you, okay? If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never surrendered your heart to him, you've never said, Jesus, I, I give you my life, I surrender my life to you. Second question, you're here, and maybe you have done that in the past, but you're not living that way. You're not living a surrendered life to Jesus. I just simply want you to raise your hand, just put it up so I can see it, and then you can put it back down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, several of you. What I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for you right now. And all you need to do in this moment right now as we're praying, all you need to do is simply say, Jesus, I surrender. Amen? Jesus, I surrender. Jesus, I surrender. Take my life, will you? Father, I just want to thank you, God. I thank you, Father, that Jesus, you modeled for us what it's like to feel pain, hurt, difficult emotions, and yet how to come through it, how to surrender all these things to you and find victory in the end. Right now, Father, we are the church that wants to grow in you, wants to know you more intimately, but we're struggling sometimes. Father, will you help us? Will you help us to process our feelings, process our emotions with you, Jesus? Will you help us to have a more intimate, dynamic relationship with you, Father? For those that raise their hands this morning, Lord, not ever having given their life to you, Jesus, or maybe they have confessed you as Lord and Savior, but they've not really been living that way. They've, they've taken their own life into their own hands. Father, I ask that right now you would help us to be a people who are surrendered to you completely and wholly in Jesus' name.